0: Morning, everybody, or oh, good afternoon, everybody, whenever it is that you get your podcast fixed, My name is Derek Smith, and this is the Truth or Derek Show or the Truth or Derek Podcast. Call it whatever you want. You know how we roll around here. Fun. We are dialing up fun today because you know that we had promised you guys a little Joshua Washer, but he got pulled away for CNN for some of the shitstorm that's going on in Georgia right now. But you know what? We can do better. <laughs> Because uh Franz Borghardt is back and he brought with him Rachel Kaufman. You guys might remember her from last week. She was awesome. And she's come back for more. So we are Racheling it, we are fronzing, we are laying it down hard today. So uh yeah, I'm sure we'll have Josh back at some point whenever he's not in such high demand. But uh if you want to talk about what's in demand, then you're talking about www.podstars.net. Now Get ready to take your podcasting career to the next level with www.podstars.net. Podstars is a talented and passionate community that will give you the opportunity to interview top professionals from a variety of industries where they will share their insights and experiences with your audience. Plus, everybody will have access to our exclusive celebrity catalog featuring some of the best in the business, both new and established. It is also free to join. As a member of PodStars, you can choose from the catalogue of celebrities to interview on your podcast. And if interested, for an additional monthly fee of only $8.99 a month, you can upgrade to the Community Plan, a completely different and exciting catalogue full of some of the best experts and professionals in their fields today, as well as access to everybody in the whole PodStars universe. It's a great way to invest in your podcast as you will save time and money by being able to book guests from one platform with an expansive catalogue that is constantly being added to so why wait? join www.podstars.net now and start exploring all that they have to offer. You will not want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to elevate your podcasting career and be part of the exciting community. And an exciting community it is. Podstars is awesome. You guys know Josh is on there. Franz is on there, and Rachel will be on there soon. We're going to talk to them in a bit. We just had a few things uh, a few things to go over. Again, uh, Rachel was on with Josh uh two weeks ago i wanted to apologize for disappearing on you once again but uh the covid got me and um you know it's one of those things i i thought that i had had it a few times uh but with how much this knocked me on my, my ass i can i'm almost positive i didn't because um man it was something i felt uh a week ago Sunday, I felt a little bit off. The Monday, I went to work, a little bit off. And then the the, the Monday night, I just, I knew something was off. Sure enough, I got up Tuesday morning, I couldn't even get out of bed. And you guys, you know, you know what I look like. You can Google it. I'm all muscle. I'm a hundo P muscle. I'm a machine. <laughs> but yeah, man, I couldn't even get out of bed. It was just, it was just like nothing I've ever experienced. So, uh. Of course, being the sharing guy that I am, I gave it to my wife, and she was sick too, so it was just trying to to function, and uh, thank God the shoppers, the uh, drug mart, the pharmacy near our house delivered, so we ordered a bunch of soup and a bunch of pills, and uh, it was good. The one good thing that came from this was in the four days, because I couldn't eat that much. I lost 17 pounds, uh, 17 pounds of muscle, as I just said, so... Uh, I don't know if you're vaxxing or not vaxxing or what the deal is but if there's even the slightest chance that you can uh, try to to get this a little bit off if you're one of those people like I'm self-employed so I really can't take time off of work I was able to squeeze the Wednesday out but I had to go in on the Thursday and it was just like ugh, you don't want to say that you phoned it in but that was one of those days where uh, one of the girls that works for me who kind of had to do everything while I just kind of sat there and tried to keep my head from exploding. So the whole um, the whole experience, uh, COVID, I do not recommend it. That is a one-star deal. And the upside, I got to eat sick food because, you know, soup is one of my favorite foods. Uh, you know, I've talked about this before because we talk about food all the time on this show. I eat, like, a salad every day. Like, I eat my dinner late. That's one of my bad things. And it's usually something, you know, cheesy, <laughs> buttery, and delicious. But you have, like, you know sometimes I have yogurt for breakfast or a half a bagel and I usually have a soup for lunch or a salad, that sort of thing. Like, it's not like I'm sitting there eating, you know, five cheeseburgers and a Diet Coke for lunch, that sort of thing. I mean, I do from time to time, you know, we'll have our, our lunches out. And we always love going to the food court again. If you follow me on Twitter at Derek Vampire Slayer, you can, um, I'm always putting up crap that we're doing in our, in our uh, own time, off the podcast time, but we're back and got a bunch of stuff lined up for the next few weeks. Josh will eventually come back. Uh, Franz and I were joking that he just kind of left us out in the backyard um, with yesterday's news or left us uh, sitting on the sidewalk uh, after a softball game promising he'd pick us up. And then he ran off to CNN to spread his knowledge elsewhere. But he'll be back. They always come back. So, so much stuff to get to. we got to thank our man, uh, <laughs> First of all, you guys saw last week we played, uh, I believe her name was Julie from New Jersey sent me, um, that she accidentally hit the podcast on the 0.5 speed and made me sound like I was drunk, which I was not, but <laughs> just definitely got a kick out of that. So, uh, she sent in some clips from the last show. Uh, I guess I had some trouble pronouncing something. And then, uh, our man, Johnny in Pittsburgh sent the same thing. So, as promised, here comes Not Drinking, But Drinking Derek. When I ran into Home Depot, he's like, runs over and he's like, Derek! And uh, I I could usually I fake it or just you know, do some uh, inane chit-chat for a few seconds until you kind of catch on to it because like On the one hand, I'm forgetful. I'm not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It will eventually come to me. So he comes over and he gives me a hug. He's like, Oh my God, Derek, you know, (laughs) who are you? (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm telling you, man, I've been listening to my podcast as well as uh, a whole bunch of other ones at the 0.5 speed. And it's just, uh, I get, I don't know what it shows to my level of maturity, but that's just awful, isn't it? So yes, that'll definitely be a thing. We'll pick out, uh, we'll pick out a whole bunch more. I, I, there, there was, a, there was a couple other ones, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do a whole slow motion show one day. <laughs> a bunch of other stuff got sent to me. Now, we talked, uh, we talked a little while ago about uh, you know getting caught in the elevator singing Taylor Swift. Uh, Oh, just a bunch of other stuff. I guess technically I'm a Swifty because I love that song, Antihero. So from that, again, everybody, I love it out there. Always send me stuff. I know Lawyer Mystery Maven, I'll give you a shout-out. She sent me some good stuff. She sent me one of our uh, Need a Lawyer little uh, things we do on Twitter. Johnny, uh, Pittsburgh, Julie. uh, Shout-out to everybody. Christy in uh, Colorado and Sean and everybody. Always, if you come across anything weird, you come across anything funny or anything stupid that I did, always send it over again on Twitter at Derek Vampire Slayer. You could just Google the the Truth or Derek Show or the Truth or Derek Podcast. It's usually the ones that come up. You see my face on there, my big my <laughs> my skinny. Uh, now that I've lost weight, my skinny bald face. Uh, just send me a message there or an email at PodStars with a z dot connect at outlook Again, you come across anything good, let me know about it or anything. Again, with me, good bad. Uh, we got a bunch of new listeners. I saw the a bunch of new downloads. New Jersey was still pulling at number one, I believe, but there was a couple on the West Coast. Again, if there's anything uh, that you like or that you hate, let me know. Somebody sent me <laughs> something with Taylor Swift. Now, it was um, they went on not eBay. I it was on uh, it, it was Craigslist or Kijiji. Uh, People were selling mason jars of rain that they collected from outside the Taylor Swift concert. So this Taylor Swift thing now, I I don't know if, I mean, everyone knows that she's huge. But there's a thing now that I guess people just go, uh, I I think it was in Philly, because it's an open-air stadium. A lot of the stuff she does, I know the one in San Francisco is an open-air stadium. So people will just go hang around the stadium because the noise is so loud that it comes out. So somebody brought a whole bunch of, I guess, mason jars and started collecting rain. From the Taylor Swift concert, so Taylor <laughs> Taylor Swift rain, and they were selling it on Kijiji for like three hundred bucks, and there was bids or maybe it was eBay, but there was a couple of bids on it, and there was somebody else. I I don't think they sold it because the the asking price was too much, but they were selling their contacts. I think it was ten grand. They were selling their contacts that they had watched the whole Taylor Swift concert in, and then of course you know you Google that just to... to nonsense to talk about on your podcast then it comes up uh we we talk about uh well we, we talk about Brady a little bit later but there was a whole thing with him you know if, if, there was rumors that he was going to retire so he threw his last uh what they thought was his last touchdown pass and somebody paid God I want to say it was maybe hundred and seventy five thousand dollars for that ball. And then sure enough, he came out of retirement. And then all you own is another football that he threw a touchdown with, which I think is worth about seven or $800. But when he announced the retirement, the, 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 the real one, when he actually retired, I guess, he was sitting on a beach in Tampa somewhere. And then somebody used whatever was in the background and all that to triangulate the spot where he was sitting and went and collected that sand. <laughs> and they were t- selling Tom Brady retirement sand. And then, of course, you're reading that story, and they're like, "Well, this is," not, and that was like, "Those were crazy. Those were going for a thousand. There was bids on those too. They were anywhere between like six or $700 and 1500 And then underneath that, there was, I guess, because of renovation or death at, um, not Disney World though, the one in Los Angeles. I guess they were getting rid of the log ride. You guys, I don't, um, Wet and Wild something. I don't remember the name of it. But you remember that that you know that big plastic log ride where you sit in it and it would go around kind of that lazy river and up hills and down Spl- Splash Mountain. That was it. Sorry, Splash Mountain. So <laughs> when they announced they were getting rid of that, people all went over there and started collecting water out of the basin at Splash Mountain and selling it online. And you know, you want to say you worry about the younger generation. So I don't know if that's stupid or if that's brilliant because I believe that had bids on it too. So. I don't know if you're out and about and there's Taylor Swift or Tom Brady or Splash Mountain hanging around. Make sure you have a mason jar with you. Collect something and maybe you can make a couple of bucks. It's not it's not crazy if it works. Speaking of wasting money on stupid shit. <laughs> I know this was this was in the news. It's actually happening in a few different places in the US. But there was one particular one near me. Where um, they have you guys know I'm a dog park guy. I have a Bernese Mountain dog in Nova. I love her very much. And uh, again, for a bigger guy, you guys wouldn't guess that um, even some of my, my work days, if I get home early enough, but on every single day off for the last three and a half years, I go to the dog park every day. Usually walk for about an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours, you know, get the get them steps in. Yeah, big dog park guy. The dog likes it. We get some exercise. We have a whole bunch of friends there. It's a whole thing. It's a whole uh, it's, it's a whole thing. And uh, a shout out to Kayla and Derek, some of our people that we walk with. And so somebody sent me a news story that there's a dog park uh, way east of us where <laughs> they have signs up where if dogs make noise, you can be fined up to $1,500 at a dog park. So like they've outlawed barking. And this started to pop up. I believe it was in Seattle in Washington uh, and or like just I, I don't know it was a west coast and an east coast thing but it started popping up everywhere where I guess people that lived around the dog park got sick of the barking which I can't I, I sort of get I mean uh, the barking and panting drives my wife nuts it doesn't bother me but then that being said if you hated that noise I get it like I know um a lot of the Costco's up here sell gas and it's a significantly cheaper especially you know, me with the damn navigator I drive it's 10 cents uh Cheaper um, a liter, so that would be forty cents a gallon, which is a significant savings because it usually costs me about one hundred and forty-five bucks to fill up. You can usually get it for about one hundred and thirty if you go to Costco. Now the the beef people have up here is, it's not so bad where I live because I'm in uh, I'm just outside of Toronto, but in Toronto there's one and it's the worst Costco on the planet to go to. Like you guys probably have one of these, like Costco or a Sam's Club, where it's rammed all the time. So this uh this particular location. There is, and I never understood the whole waiting an hour, an hour and a half in line for gas because my time is more valuable than the 10 bucks I could save. But there's a hundred cars, they're idling 18 hours a day. I don't know. They open at what, 9am and they close at, you know, 10 or whatever. So the people around there started to complain that it reeks like, you know, exhaust, which again, it does, but you know. That would bother me, but the dog barking doesn't. So I guess, uh, what is the, what is, (laughs) my wife always says I'm a NIMBY. (laughs) I'm okay with it as long as it's nowhere near my house. Plus, for those of us who think the smell of gas doesn't bother me. Not a lot bothers me, but the stuff that does, man, I'll tell you. That's why I like having the podcast, because I was like, you remember, I'm going to tell you what grinds my gears, and then you just come on here and you piss and moan. I know when we first moved out here, because we grew up in Toronto, and, um. You know, you first move out to a, to a new uh, new neighborhood and you're, like, you're looking for a new joint for, you know, Greek food, burgers, pizza, that sort of thing. My wife came across the, this one guy that reviewed stuff and he had like, he had like four or five hundred reviews and they were all negative. They were all one star reviews. There was not a single five star review. It didn't matter what it was. It was like a dog grooming place. This place was shit. At the pizza joint. This place was shit. He hated the Walmart. He hated the Costco. It was just amazing that somebody was like, I don't know if you just trying to get some heat or that's kind of your thing, but it was just, it was one, like hundreds and hundreds of negative reviews. It's like, he was reviewing like parks and mechanics and thinking things can't be that bad. Like he read really, uh, the bowling alley. Well, I couldn't park anywhere near the doors. <laughs> I remember there was, they just opened up one of those places. It was a lot of fun. I think we're going in a week or two. Uh, where the robots bring your sushi, and again, this is why I mean I love Google. I, I leave a lot of reviews for stuff. I try to leave mine positive. I don't really like to slam on small businesses and stuff. And you know, you Google it up to uh, make sure you're you're going to the right spot. And somebody had given this place a one star review because they st- they stacked all their outdoor furniture in front of the building. Because <laughs> you're obviously looking for like good you know food tips or you know this is the best burger that sort of thing. But no. Somebody gave it a one-star review because their (laughs) their outdoor furniture was stacked in front of the building. I'm not sure if it was the same guy, but I'll have a, you know what I'll do for next episode. I'll I'll get uh, Rebecca to find it and I'll read you some of the reviews. We'll have negative review time. And speaking of which, uh, I don't get too much negative feedback anymore. I know in my first couple of episodes, I used to sing all the time and you guys hated it, but I think he's starting to come around, so just know that uh, I love and appreciate all you guys. Thank you for hitting the download switch and uh, spreading the good word. I know we got a few new listeners all all out and about, so let's continue to grow it, get the good word out there. It helps when you have great guests. I told you uh, Franz Borghardt is back. He went on a a religious retreat, and uh, Josh wasn't able to come with him, but Rachel Coffin steps in and does a heck of a job, let me tell you. There was one other thing we had to get to before we get to the guests was um, we talked about this uh, on the show a little bit uh, with some of the weird shit when people are cheating doing stuff. So there was the pie-eating contest cheating. There was the the, fisher, the fishermen that were cheating. I know we, we followed up on that. Those guys got uh, – they had to give back like a $100,000 boat and uh, pay a fine on top of that, and they had to do 10 days in jail. Well, there was another one that came up because, again – one thing I love about Google just when they know you and they're sending you like the good articles and the stuff that you want to look at was, uh, there was a paddleboard contest cheating. <laughs> so I guess somewhere, I think it was in, uh, I want to say, uh, North or South Carolina. Uh, I'll talk, I'll talk about this more because I have to go back into the other ones to get the, the cheating. Cause like the, the, the pie eating cheating, uh, there was obviously the chess cheating. You guys know that, uh, the guy put one of those, uh, I guess, if you're apart from your partner, you can get uh, like uh, uh, something that vibrates your genitals, but it's controlled by the other person's phone. So this chess player, I guess, put one in his uh, rectum. <laughs> There's a medical term for it. And then somebody would, uh, you know, watching it with either computer that was a really good, uh, a really good chess player that would say, you know, like, We'll have like a Morse code for what to do. So yes, uh, the chess cheating, fishing, and all that has spilt over into paddleboard cheating, and uh, we'll do a whole paddleboard cheating thing next week. And uh, as well as we'll do maybe a, we'll try to do a top five. I'll look up all the stuff that people have been caught at cheating, and we'll see if we can find the top five dumbest ones. Especially if uh, again those, the the fishermen, uh, they they the one of the prizes they won was like a hundred and thirty thousand dollar boat they had to give back. And I would imagine there was a there was a bunch of stuff on top of that. They also got suspended for three years, which I'm curious with after that three years. You know, like if they have an axe to grind, if there's like this big buildup to them coming back, it's like the bad boys of fishing are back. Because although the guys are obviously degenerates, that would be hilarious if they actually had like uh, like bad guys. You know, like everyone roots against them. You know, like kind of like we do with Tom Brady. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, we got a lot to discuss. Again, uh, Josh and Franz are coming by. I have your uh, I have your messages about the Bezos's wedding. That was a that was a funny question. Some top fives. Where where we used to live, and uh, it's called Scarborough. It's right next to Toronto. Uh, somebody had asked when we were talking about the dog uh, the dog walking thing last time. Just stupidity because you know you get some assholes that have bad dogs and stuff but it doesn't happen that often but it's more the people like I remember during COVID and stuff okay I understand there's rules and stuff and you're outside but it was just before that with our last dog before we moved out uh, to again the suburb of Toronto we live in now which if you like traffic move to Toronto because it's bad and it's always bad there's no day where you're gonna fly in at least at least it kills the surprise but we used to, when we used to live in Toronto, out uh, back of where we were, there was like a ravine system. You know, it we went like a like a mile in both directions. So you could get a good walk in, you know, let the dog sniff some trees, that sort of thing. But when you were going up to the other side of it, you had to cross uh, like a railway spur. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, a railway spur is uh, one of those kind of a dead-end um, leg on a railway that they use to deliver, you know, wood or oil, that sort of thing. So, um, when we were crossing over there one time, there was uh, what they called CN Rail Police. They were, like, train track police. And it was similar to, like, during COVID, you get some of these people that work for the city that just, you know, they they think they're out saving the world. (laughs) Because a guy would come over and be like, does your dog have a license? Like, of course. You know, like, they have rabies certificates, all that sort of thing. But, like, I'm not trying to be standoffish, but I'm also, like, I'm not going to put up with anybody's shit. So it's like, you know, show me your dog license, you know, I I, I don't think you'd be out of line to tell the guy to fuck off. So it was the same when we lived in Toronto, we were out walking and you had to walk across this railway spur. And uh, a couple of guys come over and they're like, oh, you know, we're like the, the railway police, you know, you're trespassing. So I was like, dude, I'm out walking my dog like, you know, what of it? And he's like, well, you know, you, you, you could be, uh, you know, ticketed for trespassing. And I said, yeah, I have heard you the first time. And I'm just walking over here to get over to the ravine area. And uh, the guy, he just keeps repeating his, well, you know, well, this is private property and all that. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to show you my fucking driver's license. I didn't even know if I had it on me. Like, I was wearing pajamas, taking my dog for a walk. So, uh, you guys, you just, it's funny, especially if somebody repeats themselves. It's because, like, Yeah, I heard you the first time. And the guy's like, oh, well, you know, uh, you, you could be arrested. I was like, You're going to arrest me? The train track police. Yeah, come on, come get me. See what happens. So, yes, uh, don't let your dog bark. It could cost you 1500 bucks, And don't walk your dog across train tracks or else you could go to jail. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. If I was going to go to jail, I'm definitely hiring... Uh, some of our next guests because you guys know what time it is. It is it is Franz Borghart and it is Rachel Coffin time. Let's go. Oh baby, you wanted spicy Louisiana. <laughs> Hold on, let me more chance. Louisiana oh. liquor. Oh baby, you wanted spicy Louisiana liquor and legal advice? Then you're gonna get it because today our Baton Rouge badass is back. You know him from Court TV, killing it all over social media all the time. You know him from Legally Served on Talk 107.3 with Brian Haldane, and you know him for telling it like it is. The Octopus King himself, Franz Borghardt, and octopi, or octopuses, never travel alone. And in this case, he stopped by Atlanta, Georgia, and grabbed the toughest, knocked-down, drag-out defense attorney in the lower 48. She is the laser-focused. She is the one who knocks. She is the cerebral assassin, Rachel <laughs> Kaufman. How's it going? Ah,
1: you may not know me, but now you do.
2: So... True story. Everybody thinks that my favorite Georgia attorney is Josh. The Joshua Shipard. Not true. I have said on more than one occasion on air that Kaufman is my spiritual unicorn. That's who I wish I could be like. So
1: I wanna be I wanna be a Baton Rouge badass, like Boosie Badass and Franz.
0: Well, you're actually, you have you have to be a badass because with the shitstorm that is your legal system right now, it seems like uh, Georgia, if you're a lawyer, is the best place to be. But if you're anybody else, it's the worst place to be.
1: Yeah, um, there's, it's like a, it's a failure to thrive environment where some of us still thrive.
0: <laughs> so uh, speaking of uh, the shitstorm that's coming, uh, what is with Fannie Willis? Like, I mean, we all kind of knew that this was happening.
1: Okay. Oops!
0: I don't but understand. That, I, I don't understand why it's the big deal that it is. I understand it's an issue, but maybe you can walk us through it a little bit.
1: Yes. So the I just, well, I'll explain the allegations. I'll simplify them. But basically, one of the one of Trump's co-defendants filed a motion um, to have Fani Willis and the special prosecutor Nathan Wade rec- recused from the case um, because not only are they alleged to have carried on a romantic relationship um throughout the process of you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it he's he's still married um but the, but oh, he is okay. but he's separated but so they started a romantic relationship but unlike most of Fonnie willis's employees he was brought in as a special prosecutor being at, paid a, a very high like a 250 dollar um i think hourly rate um for all the work that he was putting into the Trump investigation, which involved a seven month, seven or eight month special grand jury um, paying out being paid hourly, it ended up totaling to significantly more than her, than the people, the salaried, um, experienced attorneys in her office are being paid to handle several cases at a time. And, you know, when you're working for a DA's office, you don't have the right to also take on personal injury cases and other stuff. So there are so these regular attorneys in her office. Don't you know they're they have a salary and he gets brought in and is making like three hundred thousand dollars a year because he's billing significant hours. He's He's also not giving special services. He's giving special services. Here's the real kicker: is that she hired three special prosecutors, two of which have significant felony experience. I think it one one does RICO cases. He's like the RICO guru. The other one, um, she does appeals. And then you have Nathan Wade, who has apparently never tried a felony case. Um, and he is a municipal court judge by uh, by appointment where he handles traffic tickets. Um, but he was brought on hourly and then also allowed to continue to make money on the side.
0: Pretty good deal. I was just gonna say that's probably one of the first times a man has been paid for sex. <laughs>
1: Well, so, no, but so the, then the issue is, is that she, she's paying him all this money and then he's paying for things for her. So it's giving the appearance that like she's dragging this out or she has an interest in the prosecution in in spending a lot of time investigating and prosecuting it because then it it then her boyfriend gets a lot more money and then she gets to go on fancier trips and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, apparently he isn't disclosing any of this um, was not disclosing any of this to his um his wife who you know in the process of the divorce proceedings he had been held in contempt for not turning all this information over previously which is how this all came about um but so anyway so what's the issue the issue is not that she has a a workplace romance that's not the issue the issue is that it appears that she for her own personal benefit um and his per- and her boyfriend's personal benefit are prosec- are are going forward with this case Um, and prosecuting it to the fullest so that they can continue to be together and get paid for it. Um,
0: do you think, yeah, yeah, like obviously running up the bill works well for him, but you know, like we've talked about Rico trials a lot lately, just because what's going on with him and YNW and all that, if this wasn't a, a Trump related situation, could this, I don't want to say open and shut, but could this have been kind of taken care of by now? by whatever means. No. no.
1: It would have been slower. There'd be less pressure. And very rarely do prosecutors ever get held accountable for anything. It's only because, it's only because we're dealing with these high-stakes criminal defendants who have a lot of hole in the media within their own community. And they have they have a vested interest in the, in in taking the integrity of this investigation and throwing it out the window. Well,
2: unless we forget, hold on, unless yeah. we forget, RICO cases... It's kind of like me telling you, instead of just going into the forest and cutting the tree down that I want you to cut, we're going to burn the entire forest down to get to that one tree, because it's not exactly an easy way of prosecuting. They could, there are easier ways. Nothing efficient, of going,
1: nothing efficient about it. Yeah,
2: efficient. It's it seems magnificent because you can lump everybody together, but it's not, it would be easier just to prosecute Trump. I mean. It, yeah, well, it just, they could, we
1: could have been done by now. So the whole thing is now this is going to affect the election. The appearance of impropriety is really the issue here. It's the it's the fact that whether or not she got kickbacks or whatever it was, it just looks bad now, and that could affect the integrity of the prosecution. Which, if she cares about justice or even like our country and what's going to happen, who's going to be the next president? You have to let somebody who is who does not create the appearance of impropriety handle the case. I think she. I. It's not even whether she did or didn't. Do any of these things? It's the appearance of it. Now, well, here, then, there's a, the secondary issue that Donald Trump's lawyers um, filed in their motion to recuse. I know a little bit about this, so they, they filed they filed a motion adding the issue that she went to the Big Bethel Church, which is a predominantly African American church, and basically said that she's not going to be the one using the race card. It's them that's using the race card. She used them and they. It's like who are you talking about creating <laughs> racial divisions within? Fulton County two black Fulton County jurors potential jurors and that's in that's an ethical violation um trying to affect the I mean to to add that that racial division in in this whole thing she's saying they didn't they didn't ask about the other two prosecutors special prosecutors they just asked about the black one and it, you're not having sex with you're not pay, you know you're not having sex with the other two and they're both qualified so so I don't know so, so
0: there's See so you guys like outside of the the American public as people that are involved in the court system. Like, do you see something like this and think overall like you have a concern about the level of intelligence of somebody like this saying they're in charge of something that's so important in my system, and you're making such stupid mistakes like not knowing that this would come out and then playing to the the the, the race card and all this sort of thing like. You sit back and say, you know what? These are the people that are making decisions in my cases. They're
1: holding other people accountable. They're spending their lives trying to hold other people accountable and they will take no accountability. Does it surprise me? No. I've been to Canada. for a second.
2: I've been to Canada. Let's, let's not get too high and mighty. (laughs) Wait, what? Wait, what? I said, I've been to Canada. Let's not get too high and mighty. I love Canada. But, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the question I posed last time we talked about this. This is the question I posed to to Rachel this time. Is think about all the other serious criminals committing crimes or allegedly committing crimes in that county, right? And there could be some there could be some really serious cases in that courtroom docketed in that courtroom. What happens to all those other cases while this logjam is happening?
1: Like right? uh, are we still moving all, all those? Nothing. Say again, no. No, we just keep them in our jail until they die. And that's what they've done. And that's what that's what happens. All these other cases get pushed aside all for them to even. So ultimately, the three co-defendants that I think that have taken pleas in the Trump case so far didn't even have to take pleas to Rico count. They let them take pleas like misdemeanors and first offender counts. So it's like you're going to spend eight months on a special grand jury investigation and dick around for a year. We have an election coming up. But no, this is the typical pace. And if you don't matter, it goes slower.
0: And you know what's, what else is interesting is it's not a defense attorney issue per se, like only. Because we we talked with uh, Cheryl McCollum uh, a little while back, and she said from the police standpoint, it works the same where you guys have people that are innocent or not, you know, guilty of what they're saying they are sitting in jail. Where she's saying the logjam works the same way. You have people that are guilty, you know, red-handed, that sort of thing, that are out walking around. That's the same thing. The logjam in the oh. system, just, it doesn't work for anybody.
2: If my client is out, if my client is out, why try today when I can try years from now?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: If my client is out, if my client is sitting patiently in a prison and we're talking years for something that should go to trial in in six months, that's not, it's not exactly justice, right? No. And the problem is, is when you create these these unnecessary log jams, which are political, I mean, look, regardless of how you feel about Trump, this was a political witch hunt. Why else I use Rico?
1: Do oh, you disagree? Well, well, I don't think you need Rico. To, I mean, I don't think it well, needs. That, to oh be. yeah, that's if you want to go after Trump,
2: I'm okay with that. You don't need to use Rico. That's my thing. Yes, that you don't is, need to use is, Rico
1: for Young Thug. Not everybody they have, they overuse party to a crime, and you know when you add four co defendants to every criminal incident, well, that's gonna that's gonna jam the system too. Um, If you blame people for what other people do. I think there's some criminal defense attorneys who I I believe I believe in accountability. So this is what's maybe I'm not a great lawyer to go like lie for you. I'm really not. Um, But I love to handle your truth, get to the bottom of it and may either set you free at a trial or maybe plead to the court and become a better person. That's really my like that's what I want for. um, Yeah, that's what I want for my clients. So I feel like I could really take. I can go to the prosecutor's office. I mean, we could filter. They need a filter, but the problem is, people in power want to expand power. They want to. Oh, they want to create more money for their budget. They want to add employees. They're not trying to like like a company that's having budget issues doesn't just go ask for more money. Um, they they try to like cut, trim the fat, and become a more efficient system. The court system oh, yeah. and to, the government in general have sure, no interest in doing that.
2: To be sure, if the allegations in the filing today are cu- correct um the only people winning in this case right now are the lawyers the defense attorneys are probably billing by the hour I'm assuming oh, yeah. they're billing by the hour and they're making buckets of money <laughs> and they're really good from what I've heard they're doing a really not, good job
1: the, the are billing defense, by the hour they don't really do that I mean at least I don't that's not something that usually happens in Georgia I don't know if that's that normal and in- I would imagine that for Trump you think it's a flat fee I've no idea but I, Steve said I was dead serious and by adding the racial thing that she che- the the concern about the racial divisiveness I think that's actually a better claim than the original one. I'm
0: mm-hmm. pretty sure it's the Trump case where we've seen some some of the hourly billing stuff like I I don't I'm almost positive this case uh where they <laughs> they showed some people were billing 24 hours for a 24-hour
2: day.
1: So, wait, some people? Just Nathan Wade. I don't yeah. think the other two were.
2: Brilliant. So So I cannot speak for Rachel in a normal jury trial if I'm keeping track of my time. And and I I charge in Louisiana. We charge flat. We keep track of our time. But it's it's all flat fee. in a normal felony jury trial, like a 12 person jury. It could be easily a 15 to 18 hour day. Because, I mean, it's not just in courtroom, it's all getting up early, prepping and making sure you're ready, going through the day. At some point, you got to stop and eat dinner and then you're going to decompress. And then you're going to prep for the next day. So I mean, these 24 hours is a bit ridiculous, but like eh, 15,
1: 16 hours, I you know, they haven't gone to trial.
2: I know. I don't. I I mean, what are you talking
1: about? They're they're going. They're taking 24 hours when they're reading documents and shit. This isn't trial yet.
0: You know what? It's actually interesting. (laughs) Think about that. It's it's interesting that you guys brought up the the billing uh, part of this because we had somebody ask us a question a few weeks ago about um, Rex Hoyerman. Now, assuming not a, a serial killer obviously needs a lawyer, but how do you guys deal with um, somebody that comes in that has an ongoing, uh, you know, if okay, I've been found, I'm guilty of this, I'm sort of guilty of this, that sort of thing, but in the next, you know, two to Two months to five years. More of this is going to come out. How do you approach that? Not just from a billing standpoint, from from a defensive standpoint.
1: I'll let you, Franz, you first.
2: So when I was a baby public defender, starting my career, I got appointed to represent a serial killer in Baton Rouge. One of the we had three major serial killers made national news. I got the third one. He was the least publicized one because he was killing high risk victims. And for your listeners, high risk, low
1: value, yeah,
2: yeah, low value drug prostitutes, human beings, we just call them high risk. He was already doing 50 years on another conviction in another jurisdiction. So it was basically that the state was playing with house money. And I just, it was, it was one count of murder, but there were at least four or five bodies that had hit the ground that they were trying to lump together using other crimes, evidence. And basically, I mean there was no negotiations because he was already doing 50 years there was nothing they could offer him that would entice him um there was nothing that he was willing to do that was was reasonable in their minds and so it was playing with house money right and so it was just I handled it like I would handle as a as a spunky young public defender I handled it like I would handle anything like I had a chance of winning which I didn't um (laughs) made a great record made a great record had a lot of fun trying the case um I probably put in it, it was it was the most time consuming thing I've ever done. It was the longest trial I've ever done, and it was emotionally the one trial that so so I cannot speak for Rachel, but I will tell you after a long emotional trial, it all catches up to you, right you're 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 going through it. you're in the moment you're 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 powering through. And at the end of the trial, no matter what happens, it's like, you hit the brakes and it finally emotionally hits you what has been going on for the last week, two weeks where you haven't been getting sleep. You haven't been eating right. You know, God knows what's been going on with your family and, and those you care about. That was the hard one. Right. And so for me, it was less stress because he was already doing 50 years. So it was like, what am I, I going to do to mess it up? He's already spent life in jail. But it was also it, those are those are like marathon trials are rough. They're they are rough
0: um you know what though it, it shows that you have some like a passion It shows that you have a heart because it's you know they stuck you in the game when you were losing 70 to nothing and you you that's you know, our job you tried and then you ended up losing 70 to nothing and you had a, you know an emotional attachment to it you have to
1: lick your Good wounds and, yeah. yeah so it's i said to-
2: in that <laughs> in that case i said that if the jury deliberated for more than 45 minutes it was a victory and they deliberated for an hour and a half but they did eat lunch so (laughs) you're so funny (laughs) what if they build for that it was fun though it was a lot of fun and and in fact not yeah it was great experience and in fact the crazy part was the victim in the case actually associated with another serial killer and so our defense was going to be not my serial killer that serial killer um that evidence at the last minute got excluded which was really weird and then, then it just became like Okay. Well, it was uh, two weeks of me getting hit in my head. Well, I didn't get hit in my head. The the The, the defendant got hit in the head. Um, and the kicker was I had so much fun. I actually really liked him as a human being. I mean, monster, yes, human being. Loved him as a human being. Afterwards, he filed civil suit against his entire team. I had like, I had like six attorneys working on it. It was a lot of fun, and he filed suit against all of us. So but he never had a served. So like the suit never went anywhere, but when the statute of limitations runs on it, I can like write a book about it because he waived privilege by filing suit against me. Um, But it was, it was that I'll I'll tell you fighting an uphill battle is not a problem that that's, I mean, everything's an uphill battle generally when you're a defense attorney. Um, If I could, I, I will tell you it was much easier trying jury trials when I was a prosecutor Obviously. I could set, yeah. I mean, I've been asked before, what was so hard? I mean, what was the hardest part of, of being a, a prosecutor? And I'll say determining if I was doing a good job or not. And people are like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, if I win as a prosecutor, I'm, I'm kind of supposed to win. Right. Like, like, how to. do you measure six? How do you measure success when it's like a loaded deck? Well, like, oh, you guys I get won. the eight
1: pluses in life. And that's right.
2: Why. Right. So, I mean, and, and again, and again, on the one on the clients I really, really, really care about, and the ones I really, really worry about are generally the ones I think really didn't do it, and those are the ones that keep me up at night.
0: So, I could just see the look on Franz's face after the trial, and he gets the letter that the guy wants a civil suit. You're like, "Yeah, you're a serial killer. I liked you. You son of a bitch. Why are you
2: suing
1: me?" They have nothing else to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens.
2: Back then, I would have. Back then, I was very butthurt about it.
1: Yeah, they when I get, deal with it. You have to deal with it. Yeah, they file today,
2: today I'm like, just try a murder case. And, and now my, my, my client who who wants his a complete copy of his boxes of discovery that I send to the, 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 the Department of Correction Prison who files the bar complaint against me and then and then talks to me like we're chums. I'm just no, exactly. like, he's
1: just, do, he's just doing his job. Okay. He just wanted you to call him. Yeah, that's okay. Literally. I mean, I think some of it ends up just being like, they just want contact and it's like a way to- and and you know in some situations, yeah, we start liking our clients. I mean, you have if we, some of them I can't stand, and I've won for ones I can't stand, and I've sometimes I've lost cases or you know the juries found them guilty when they're not. You know, it's a very uneven-handed system, I guess, just in general. Um, but I'm haunted by cases and jury trials regularly. I actually, but I also feel like I have amnesia as like a form of trauma where I just don't want to remember but every time i like at the grocery store i like look at people i'm like are you that white guy in the case that like yeah. <laughs> but i, th- like, I, I like, think like... i think
0: you have to have that i mean there there's so many different facets to what you guys do it's like you have to be heartless but you have to have a heart and you have to work with these people whether you like them or not i mean at the end of the day it's a job you obviously have to make money so there's it it just sounds like you know when that phone rings you're like oh god what is it going
2: so to be so i have a mix fun of... at the
1: beginning now i'm like I've, so no, i so no, i
2: have no. a mix I have a mix of practice. I do a lot of private work, and then I do a lot of federal, what we call Criminal Justice Act court appointments. Um, So I have a mix of indigent clients and clients that I charge a lot of money for to balance out all that. And I will tell you, I will tell you, it's really interesting because if I were to tell you which of the two I'm generally closer with, it's generally the indigent ones. Those are the ones where I'm having meetings, with grandmothers, aunts, you know, the family, the only family that this client has that actually cares about him on the outside because they're incarcerated um, on the off chance that I can get him out on a federal detention, which I'm just in a jurisdiction where they like putting people in jail and federal detention. Um, I love doing those cases. Um, and the reality is, is that a lot of my private cases are not like like twenty something year old gets popped with felony drugs where I know the result's gonna be mitigation, some kind of disposition where they're not ruined for the rest of their life. Um, the meat and potato meat and potato cases I have where I do most of my litigation are the are the federal indigent ones because I mean, it just is what it is. Um, so now,
0: I just want to switch gears a tiny bit here because uh, you were yeah. talking about what you do. I know you work in a lot of uh, you've had a lot of sex crime cases. It's. I don't know if it's different with the the Vince McMahon because he's older, or it's because people in his circle, you know, hard to flip flop on him. But
2: well, he's been to this for a long time. I mean, from so let's not let's not lose sight of the very poorly reported lawsuit. His lawsuit's not about the sex allegations. It's about he didn't pay the hush money. Yeah, and this is an important. I taught a, a law class the other day where 10 minutes at the beginning of the law class I stressed the importance of if you're going to enter into a hush agreement with somebody the most important part of the hush agreement is paying the hush money. If you're not going to pay the hush money you don't have hushing. And if you don't <laughs> have hushing it's like yeah, is Vince a horrible human being? Probably. Pay yeah. <laughs> hey, your hush money, dude. Pay hey, your hush money. It's that easy. It's is, a civil uh, case though. It's a is, civil case and it's going to and what I bet is going to happen Rachel is I bet it's going to spawn other allegations from other individuals that are emboldened, and maybe that's a good thing to come forward because of what this individual is doing.
0: It's like a reverse Rico case. You kind of go for one, and then you get all the other people to come up and say, "Yo, oh, you know what? This is kind of what's happening." This was good. because, like again, like you said, is he a horrible human being? Everyone says probably, but yeah, you know, I would bet you dollars to donuts right now. This is not uh, this is not a one time situation.
2: No, he's he's getting Capone, by the way, if he pays the hush money, there's no civil suit. So like, like, and and unless we forget, the dude has billions of dollars, like, hey, the hush money.
1: He's being extorted. Yeah. Well, that's not okay either.
0: Is is a hush money agreement sort of a boilerplate thing, or have you guys come across this where it's kind of really in the specific
1: I, I don't get involved that? in any of that.
0: No?
2: So so no. We, we have rules in my jurisdiction. We have rules to where I cannot we call it compounding a felony. And <laughs> yeah, I it's cannot something like that. <laughs> yeah. I cannot I cannot I cannot perpetuate a civil resolution to get rid of a criminal case. Although it happens often where I'm like, I make a victim whole, my client makes a victim whole and that resolves a criminal case because the victim at that point says, well, I've been made made whole, I'm good. You know, you can't really do that in sex offense cases, but like you can't, it's a good rule because what the rule does is it stops me from doing it and then it stops the accuser from extorting, right? Because the accuser can't go to you and say, if you don't give me $10 I'm going to prosecute – I'm going to get you prosecuted and this, that, and the other. It, it, it It's a good rule, right? Um, Beagle Black. My only dis- yeah, the only disagreement I have with Rachel on this one is the hush agreement, where it starts, is what makes me feel icky. If he's proposing $10 million to keep her quiet, it's icky. If she says that, hey, give me $10 million or I'm going to blast you, it's icky. But it's a different kind of ickiness on both of those right so, so sometimes
1: just, the yeah that, that's something that's going to be hush keep it between the two of them and i want right, nothing to do right if, that's, you, yeah.
0: if you guys want to look at a very famous hush money case the tiger woods when that whole thing went down because that was fact that i think there was 19 uh, sex workers dancers and all that at the club and he had paid off i believe 16 out of the 19 but then to Franz's point with vince is like 16 out of 19 it won't work because the other three went and sang that song all day long and it was one fascinating story after another
1: i mean yeah recipe for disaster from the beginning but that's it's kind of the price you pay but also or don't sexually assault people who cares huh
2: yeah don't sexually assault people don't don't rent out your employees
1: if you're gonna pay for sex pay
2: yeah The maybe t-
1: maybe tip. I don't know.
2: I just I- is that a twenty percent tip kind of thing? I
1: don't. I don't Do you know. Tip? I'm, I'm just like yeah. I'm people-
2: not. <laughs> I'm not suggesting you would know, Rachel. I'm just asking the question. I'm I just know. saying, like when I get a haircut, and I don't have any hair, but when I get a haircut,
1: I tip twenty percent. I don't get my hair cut either, so I don't know.
2: Your <laughs> hair, hair. Looks- hair looks magnificent, Rachel Kaufman.
1: I-, I cut my own hair. I have not gone to a hairstylist or ever. I cut my own hair, babe. Zero Fran's, dollars.
0: Fran's is asking Rachel if she tips her prostitutes <laughs> and how much. No, but
1: I would. It's like yeah, keeping, but, just like yeah. Nathan Wade should have kept his his um, soon-to-be ex-wife financially happy, since he's getting a windfall anyways. Just don't create problems. And you're, I mean, this would have never come out. So the whole point is, sure. you asked earlier about whether we were surprised that, that, like, to find out that prosecutors would do something so stupid. What I want to say is I what I it's just there's they're it, they're conditioned to believe that they're almighty they're brazen enough to do this kind of stuff not all of them but it's just a, it's a culture where like any gang they protect themselves um they take no absolutely no accountability they don't require it of each other and they just protect each other and well, that and, and that's why sl- that's why this happens
2: And the slippery slope is. Sometimes you can get lost in the forest and the between the forest and the trees. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe when I was a prosecutor and I was a prosecutor for about a year, um, that's how much I didn't like it, but I could go back to doing it tomorrow. Um, If I didn't believe something happened or if I didn't believe the defendant did something, I wasn't going to prosecute. If I believed it and I really got entrenched and I really believed it, I had to stop myself sometimes because defense attorneys would show me stuff that would possibly exculpate their client and my and my internal knee jerk is, oh, that's BS. But if it was good evidence,
1: it was good evidence, right? So it's like- They start believing themselves and that's yeah, it. It's,
2: yeah. It's a slippery and it's difficult. Sometimes it's really difficult. Like today I watched, I watched in the Crumbly case, I watched- a prosecutor perpetuated evidence that had nothing to do with the elements of the crime that was highly prejudicial he got it in it was about the swinging the swingers and the infidelity and all that and yeah i get that they were arguing that that she was a bad mom and she was distracted and all that but as an as an observer i'm like why would you create that appellate issue but in the in the moment if I was prosecuting her and I wanted them to think that she was a monster, I can't sit here and tell you with hundred percent certainty I might not have done the same thing. Well, because that's a really stupid. We, hold on, that's a really stupid
1: I, move because I'm thinking to myself, no, I agree. no, these jurors might be swingers. You did not ask that during jury selection. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Don't try to vilify something that has nothing to do with this, and you don't know. You know, the, you don't know who these people are. You don't know well, who your microscopic.
2: Ju- so, for example, what I said today on on Court TV was, when you start putting a parent under a microscope, if you have parents on the jury, they're going to start think. Yeah, they're going to start thinking, "Hey, dude, do you not have kids? Do you not understand that, like, when you're on twenty four seven kids, like, you fuck up. Like, I I, I love my eight year old. My eight year old is the center of my universe. But like, to tell
1: you that I'm the best dad in the world, I'm not." <laughs> I mean, no. like- these people have real issues. They probably should have taken a plea and begged. And they, you know what they should do? They should have. If I was a judge, I would take their plea and I would tell them that I think, for accountability's sake, they need to go on a national tour. We can come up with it together, where they're going to go to schools and speak about gun violence and what happened and how it, whatever. Go to parenting. Mm-hmm classes so
0: sh- no for for both attorneys though isn't it sort of like the the day one of law school it's kind of like a don't ask a question that you don't know the answer to or sort of thing like would jury selection play into that like we were saying earlier how everyone hates tom brady and everybody loves aaron Rodgers. if you go into a courtroom and say that and half of those people on the the jury are tom brady lovers you've automatically turned them off whether you're one on of the them is or defense or not
1: if one of them is you've turned them off and you don't know if they're a leader or a follower and they could sway the whole jury.
2: So she got, so, so the attorney, the defense attorney got backed into a corner because the prosecution, most of the case was insinuating that the, the criminal defense attorneys were hiding things, which is in and of itself a reverse.
1: Yeah. Hiding a, what? A reverse,
2: yeah. A burden. reverse burden shift. Right. Yeah. But, but, so i think the the fear was if we don't lean into the stuff that's coming in right um, but they did not waver on that they didn't i mean and look am i comfortable standing up and saying look i'm just going to let the cat out of the bag you're going to hear e- evidence in this trial that my client my client is 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 a swinger is, is someone who is not only a swinger, but like, or however you're going to phrase it. If, if
0: it's know, going to come out though, isn't it better that you bring it out so you can just kind of be like, yeah, it's no big deal.
1: I mean, yeah, I'd be problem. like, I'd be like, they're going to tell you things that have nothing to do with the case. We can exactly, discuss them. Like, yeah. It, it might wake you up because you're like, this is actually kind of fun and interesting unlike the rest of the case, but it has nothing to do with the case. <laughs> I'm now, like, into- I'll,
2: I'll, enjoy. What I'll do is in opening and in voir dire, I'll condition them to to i'll condition them to watch for the prosecutor creating evidence that has nothing to do with the case so that you hate my client and that hate would be a substitute for proof and a substitute for the elements and you just keep hammering it and then in closing you're like look i told you they were going to do it and that's what they did yeah you know and look rachel people too
1: wingers are people yeah
2: yeah, like Rachel probably doesn't do this, but so I have stood up before. Yeah, I've, I've stood up before. That's going to be the name of the that- podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we are. have feelings. We have feelings. I have stood up before in closing arguments on cases where my client was an asshole and everybody knew my client was an asshole and said, look, I'm not going to mince words. If I were sitting where you were sitting, I might think that my client's a jerk.
1: Yeah, you roast them so not- they don't have to roast
2: them. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he's guilty of anything, and he can be. I'll tell you what's what's not mutually exclusive. He can be an asshole and not guilty at the same time. <laughs> you know what though? I I would say
1: exactly
0: seventy or to eighty percent of people can't separate that. You know, it's like sometimes when you run into somebody who looks like somebody that you hated when you were younger, or has the same name. You know, when you're going through the what you're going to name For your children name. or whatever, you're like, you like you can't name them Jen because you know I hated a Jen yeah. in high school. I, I, I'd be, yeah. I'd be a terrible juror because. It would only take a, a little while or some for you to say something that would turn me off and then i just I sat like, on
1: a jury I, this is a fun story i sat on a jury before i was a, a lawyer so i was 22 years old and it was a medical malpractice case in cleveland ohio um i remember feeling like um I, well I, there was no medical malpractice was the number one issue but what they didn't ask about during jury selection was, like, how we feel about animals or hunting. But the the family, the, the daughter of the guy that died, got on the stand and talked about how she loved to go hunting with her dad. And at the time, I was, like, all in my, like, super liberal – I still am, like, animal welfare, animals over humans, treat animals with respect. Um, and I was like, ew. Like, I, the value of this guy's life went from – yeah. I don't know. Whatever it being a nice father to being like an evil hunter that like killed Bambi's mom. Asshole. Like Yeah, like like and they I, didn't ask about that during jury selection, but they 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 brought it up on the stand as if it was like a good thing that they did together, not even realizing how that would affect a juror and their value of these family. It's there crazy. are
2: human beings. There are human beings, and I sometimes wonder if I'm one of them that like their pets and their dogs and their animals more than other human beings. It depends on the human. I mean, I love I love my dog. My dog is a mini schnauzer, and I gotta tell you, I love my mini schnauzer more than I love some other human beings. Oh,
0: hands down, hands. I, I like believe me. I have I have cats that I would take, my cat oh. over Alex Murdoch.
1: <laughs> oh, over most people. No, I mean when I think about like what I would do to someone who tried to hurt my dog, all the all the way I would what the things I would do. Crazy, I, and good. then they get means a good like, I get. That And i like, and then I'm gonna get your kids too because
0: it was Gandhi. Go. Gandhi said, "You can judge the progress of a nation by how they treat their animals.
1: They're Gandhi, most vulnerable. Yeah, the most. Gandhi vulnerable. knew a
0: thing or two. Yeah,
1: animals are loyal. Um, humans questionable, <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so just small things like that. People. That's why about. I
2: like Kaufman. That's <laughs> why I like Rachel Kaufman. You
1: know, so swingers. I used to be sitting on that jury, and like, I'm not a swinger, but I'm just saying, and I'm, but I'm just saying that, like, you say. You just you don't know. Nobody wants their phone data dumped, so they'll like go through people's phones and then use it against them in court, like pick salacious pictures or like text messages that are like not nice. You know, just they're gross. Like everybody, I mean, I don't I don't need to go through all your phones, but you know what's on your phone. I mean, so you know what's on, you know what you would you, find you know bad,
0: your... even for yeah. good people, you would find bad stuff. So I like, so for
1: and it's probably weirder so like some of your swingers it's like well at least they're not looking i mean imagine them using against you that you like like to go dress up as a furry like yeah. that's that's your business well, that doesn't make you a bad parent so,
2: so to your point while i'm on i'm willing to bet that not everybody on that jury is a swinger i'm yeah. willing to bet that the infidelity piece the philandering piece more people than you might believe have experienced extracurricular activities Without and when pressure. you start ca- yeah and you start casting stone like i think the pendulum is going to swing the other way for her and to some degree there are going to be some jurors that are like wait what does this have to do with anything well,
1: like i'll, the, I'll the, tell but, you the thing is I'll it just about the him, that, them providing the guns to him is that what it is
2: it's gross negligence. it's manslaughter but it's a gross negligence standard right kind of it's like
1: it i think if parents were responsible for what their kids do into maybe until they're 25 maybe people would be Uh, less recklessly reproductive stop it i mean stop it
0: see but you know what and and you guys brought it up earlier with the (laughs) the jury you start to go down a different path and you start to fill the jury head with a bunch of different shit and then at the end of the day they're like okay i remember all the facts of the case but i also remember this person's a horrible human being and if you are 50 50 on that again that's why i'd be a terrible jury that that would tip me towards
1: the well, if I were representing Crumbly, which I do, I, I hate guns and I hate parents who think it's okay for their crazy ass kids to be out here and to make sure that they're not protecting us from them if they know that they're like, you know, concerning. Um, but in this case, I feel like we were mad at the outcome and the outcome we're attributing what we now know, like hindsight being twenty twenty, to what she should have known at the time that she did what she did. Right. And so I think everyone's kind of like, we we wouldn't have dropped the ball. It reminds me of the Parkland shooter with the um, the security guard. Like he didn't go, you know, they were they went after him for not doing for not trying to protect the kids. It's like it's to me the crumbly thing is what was what was her intent? Is it has to, They have to have criminal intent. It can't just be that this was the outcome. It's not necessarily a foreseeable outcome.
2: So so that is the that's the kicker with a negligent based crime, right? Gross negligent is not specific intent it's not general intent it still has to have some criminal intent to do the act right and so like what's really frustrating is one of the issues they're bringing up in the case guys is uh guilty conscious by flight and i'm like it's a negligence case like it's not a specific intent crime guilty conscious if you're saying that she acted grossly negligent you're saying that she was guilty conscious about her gross negligence that she probably wasn't even aware that she i mean like it doesn't like no, I
1: can't,
0: yeah, it's too much.
1: I'm like, you guys were sh- are just such shitty parents. And oh. no, no, I agree. I agree a
2: hundred percent. I've said it on national TV a few times this week. Are they going to win any Parents of the Year award? Absolutely not. They're terrible parents. <laughs> I just don't know how I feel. Like, are you going to prosecute the school? The school security guy who said I didn't think he was a risk. I didn't check his weight. Way- his his bag that had the weighted gun in it.
1: Like, hindsight yeah, like giving- 2020, we all want it. We all wish we could step in and do yeah. that, but we can't. And right. they, they didn't necessarily. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, I think I also think people imagine their own kids misbehaving and them being held responsible for that. And they don't like so that me, either.
2: I got to ask this question because you said something that I agree with. But I wonder. I agree that this should have been pled out. My question is, is do you think Michigan, the state of Michigan, allowed them any kind of plea bargaining at all? Do you think they offered him anything? Do you think they were like?
1: There has like, to be cause... creative would They need creative negotiations. So I bet there was a conversation, but it was probably like prison time, and they're like, "No." Um. But if, but if as a defense attorney, you know, I like to offer things that they've never heard of before. Like, you know, my clients will have to write an op ed, or what they'll have to they have to get on TV and do a PSA about what something that's like not wearing a scarlet letter, but they're actually going to try to prevent this from
2: happening so she is not gonna even if she's convicted even if she gets jail she's not spending the rest of her life in jail she's gonna she has a foreseeable outdate at some point she's of an age that i think she walks out of prison at some point so to to me to me you know and i think she's incarcerated now i don't think she's out on bond she might be but i think she's incarcerated um I just, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would have. I, there had to have been some kind of negotiation. I like the idea of creative negotiations. Yeah, and also Um, going
1: non-negotiated and asking the court, like not just accepting whatever the state's offering. And sometimes you can plead guilt. You can plead guilty. The state can ask for what they want, and I can propose something different. It sounds like it would
0: be easier if there wasn't a death involved, like
2: or multiple yeah (laughs) i mean
1: but just how far you know we we all i want to punish parents so just like by nature like i think parents should be punished more often but is that my own i mean i'm realizing the cause of it but is that was that their intent and i have to stop myself because i would love just for the kid whether the parents did it or not especially
0: Uh, if if it's not like you know it's a low-income neighborhood it's a single uh, mother this sort of thing you're right like when it happens with somebody who's you know, well-off that has two parents that are still together and stuff that does something like this in the 12, 13, 14. I agree that the parents should have to shovel somewhat of some
2: something. So I think you're going to see legislation throughout the United States that specifically codify, specifically criminalize the acts of parents or failure, their failure to act. Um, most states have an equivalent. Like we would have, they would be prosecuted for negligent homicide in Louisiana. It's a zero to five year non-violent crime felony that absolutely would fit this category. It's low enough stakes to where even if they got convicted of the zero to five years, if they got five years as first offenders, assuming they're first offenders, they would do a quarter of five years. So that take sixty months and divide that by by four, and that's whatever they would do if they got maxed out. But many states don't have this catch all of, OK, well, we want to prosecute the shooter and we're, we're doing that. We got a conviction on that. But now we want to prosecute like this this officer who doesn't run into the frame in Florida in Florida. Or we want to prosecute the shitty parents in Michigan. And they're, that manslaughter crime just it, my problem is not that I don't think they did a crime. It's, it's does that fit? Does their actions fit that crime?
0: Yeah, have, that's the issue. just watered I it down trying to put everybody involved in jail? You know. Right. If, Which if, feels if, good
1: if, when you want vengeance.
0: If a 13-year-old kid can pick up a gun off the dinner table and go out and shoot somebody, that's on the parents. If he picks the lock on the safe, well, then the dad, the parents kind of did what they were supposed to do by locking up the weapon. So it's one of those things that would be, it, it, it would be difficult to to break down to figure out who, you know, who's bad and who's
1: not well there should be like a separate system of like the it's a parental justice system where you're when your kids are accused whether you even participate or not um the presumption should be that you are responsible and need to take parenting classes and should not be allowed to um continue to have kids until you handle it in my dreams and and this is only coming from (laughs) listen to me i saw i get so far left i'm right remember that's how far i go um (laughs) all the way around the wheel it's that i really see like the majority, we talk about like the backlog in the system. Like we talk about the criminal dockets. I mean, a lot of these kids were, were like, the parent couldn't handle the first one or the second one. Like they have multiple kids in prison. Keep
0: going till it, you have a winner.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, well, it's, I mean, you need be to honest. focus on one or two and give yeah, them your. Let's be honest. It's not really difficult
2: to create human beings. Yeah. I have it's not. not
1: created,
2: I don't know, but it's not, Me but neither. it's not. It's not calculus. It's not calculus. Yeah. It's not advanced
1: nope. physics. Neither is preventing pregnancy. I've managed I, that. Just, I agree with you a
2: thousand percent. I'm just saying. Yeah,
1: and I, need to I know my...
0: I know Franz has a bunch to do, and hopefully, uh, just one last thing I'm that I have to say
2: I have to go to like, the bed. I only have one that I know of. I only have, have one that a, I know of.
0: There was one other thing that just came up with uh, that they keep banging the drum with this Alec Baldwin thing. If this is a swing at a civil trial to try to get some money, why are they uh, still going after the, uh, the not murder charge? But why are they going after? Uh, can't they just skip ahead to the civil situation?
2: So the the reindictment seems to be based on he made a comment that he never pulled the trigger. They had the gun, the firearm, analyzed, which they had to put modifications on to get it to fire. But that's neither here nor there. And realizing that it had to actually have the trigger pulled to fire.
1: he would have known he pressed the
2: Right. And so like he never should have just me on my soapbox. Why he would get on an interview and say, Oh, I didn't pull the the the, the Why the say trigger. anything? Because <laughs> he's Alec Baldwin. He couldn't not say anything. I mean
1: the same I was reason in the we... hunt.
2: I was in
0: the hunt for Red October, goddammit. <laughs>
1: You no, know, when people play sports, even when they hit the ball out in like basketball, they immediately point at the other person when they know that it was them. They don't. That's what it's like a human nature to just be like, not me, no, not yeah, me. Yeah, if you look at if
0: you look at a lot of things like maybe we talked about Tiger Woods earlier, you notice after all that shit went down, he disappeared for two or three years, didn't say a word about anything, and he came back. People still love him
2: because everybody loves to come back kid
1: <coughs> We, michael love, michael we michael love michael, I love michael, michael jackson michael vick
0: as a dog lover the guy's a monster he's La- La- last piece though here's Hept my question shot, went with. to jail disappeared came back signed and got another hundred million dollar contract because he didn't go out there running his mouth like
2: i, I want to
1: electric prod him though a little bit See right. how I feel
2: rachel here's my question Yep. Can I separate the art from the artist? Can I love and cherish Michael Jackson music while simultaneously not loving Michael Jackson? No. Yes.
1: <laughs> no. Yes. Yes. And you can step in the name of love to R. Kelly. Do y'all thing. I am, I'm a huge, I actually have like a whole playlist of people that I, that are supposed to be canceled that I still listen to. Rachel, and it's what, about, uh,
0: what about the magic he, that is Aaron Rodgers playing football aside from the person?
1: <laughs> why don't, oh, can't, oh, I, Aaron Rodgers, when he went, yeah, when he started talking about all that vaccine stuff and I used to love Kyrie too. I just, they just got a little weird on me, but Aaron Rodgers just seems like he just can't get along with anybody. um Tom Brady's just, I'm it's more of like a jealousy. Like, how are you that attractive? And like a quarterback and like married to just, I mean, I think it's more everyone's envy that makes people dislike whatever dislike I have of Tom Brady. It's because it's like jealousy. In the Boston. Not that I want to be a man with a, I don't know, just saying.
2: Would you go right. on a date? Oh, hold on. Would you go on a date with Tom Brady? Me? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I actually would. I mean, I, I would, I would I never take seriously.
1: I would never take seriously that he wanted to go on a date with me. Why not? I would take. I'd let like him to take me to a nice dinner. Yeah, he's like a scene He's like the senior quarterback in high school, and you're like a freshman with like braces on. That's what it's like. I mean, he's just like. He should run for office.
2: Yeah,
0: it's like she's all that. Tom Brady's, she's all thating, Rachel. Kaufman. He's a freaking
1: kindle. Oh my god, Freddie Prince Jr. That <laughs> yeah, kid that was fun. so good. Remember, that's she good. takes hey, off her glasses Prin- and
2: everyone realizes she's beautiful. <laughs> Do you know what Freddie Prince Jr. does now? He was he just- writes for WWE wrestling. Really, he's creator. He, he Google it. it. He he's a writer for wrestling now. Look at him go. So is
0: not Mark Wahlberg. There was somebody else that was in the WWE creative team that I was. Isn't,
2: isn't Freddie Prince, who's Freddie Prince married to?
1: Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer.
0: Buffy Good the freedom. Vampire. Okay, we could do this all day, but I know. Rob okay, okay.
1: Know. we say goodbye.
0: If going- you want more of what you have heard or seen today, check out Rachel Kaufman on Twitter at RK Real Talk or on Instagram at underscore Rachel Kaufman. Uh, you can also use the international network to Google her, Rachel Kaufman with one F. And if you need some legal advice in Georgia, check out www.rachelkaufmanlaw.com. And uh, speaking of an <laughs> extra, for an extra helping of Franz in Louisiana, Fra- visit com. on Twitter at Borghartlaw, or just also use the internet to Google him. Borghart, uh franz Borghart Law. thank you guys so much and have a great day
1: oh my god such a great idea and franz i love you man i know i need to come to baton rouge because in the words of boosie badass this is i wish this could be my intro they call me badass and i punish him that's what he, that's what the rapper
2: have you been to, have you been to new orleans no I don't, you would love New Orleans. You would love New Orleans. I know.
1: I want to hang out with like the old guys in the corner at the gas station. Like Music. What...
2: Music. I, uh, you, we'll get into it later.
1: All right. Bye, guys. All right. So you guys ask, have a four, good it's day. It's 424. It's 420. I got to go.
0: Rachel, Goodbye. thank you so much. Franz, thank you. That was
2: awesome. You guys rock. <laughs> good luck at the vet. I hope it's nothing serious.